My name is Anthony Capazzoli. I am the host of the Dismantle Life podcast and I'm a recovering alcoholic and drug addict after nearly 40 years of addiction. I have been clean and sober for nearly four years and work hard to help others find recovery. Join me each episode to learn from my sober superhero guests and how they went from the darkness of addiction into the sunlight of recovery. Dismantled Life can be found on Digitech Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, man? I am so excited to have you on the show, buddy. Thank you so much for being on. Absolutely, brother. I'm grateful to be here, man. Thank you for just giving me a platform to hopefully share and bring some value to you and your listeners. Like you, I... 40 years of drugs and alcohol, and I've seen it and done most things, and most of my listeners are the same way. But um, so, and I only say that as kind of a litmus where if it's pertinent to the value of the message, like for me, I was, you know, bottle of whiskey a day in eight ball, and, yeah. you know, and then if, if the frame, like the depth of depravity almost is something, but uh, some podcasts talk about. I was able to do this and, and kind of make it like a prideful thing. And it's weird. Yeah. Sometimes. Uh, We're on the same page, man. I'm, I'm even when I do interviews, I'm like, it's an hour. I don't want to spend too much time. Like your addiction was bad. Take like, <laughs> I, Help us understand. Okay. How lost you were for a little bit, but let's, let's talk about the hope, man. That's what's going to help people. So I love that. I love that. And, I'm and with I agree you on with that. you. Well, Joseph, it, it's, it's, it's great to have you on the show and I'm going to take a crack at pronouncing your last name first. And then I'll let you correct me. Yeah. Katie. KG. KG. All right. So yeah, it, yeah. it is an active J. I, I, I wasn't sure if it was. Solid. It's hard, man. Sorry, uh, sometimes man. I want to just like, I want to change the last name because I always say it's a letter K and the letter G and it's easy to pronounce. So <laughs> I almost want to like change the spelling every time I tell somebody. So it's easy to pronounce. Right. Right. Well, uh, Joseph KG, it's really nice to have you on the show. And I am excited to, to dive in and, and hear your story, man. So um, if you want to maybe share a little bit about, you know, who you are and, and mm -hmm. what we're going to be talking about. That would be great. Of course, man. I always like to start with who I am now. Um, I'm a husband and father first. Love um, I, I'm 31 years old. I currently have a little bit on January. I'll be uh, six years sober. Um, awesome. And Congratulations. I own a business. Thank you. Thank you. I own a business and I, I get to, you know, pretty much work with 16 people in my business and, and employ them, um, give them opportunities, you know, to, to live in a culture and, and have a good job pretty much. Um, but being a husband and father is one of the, the biggest blessings that I have. You know, I've been married for almost five years. Uh, my wife was had three kids from a previous marriage that I've been able to help raise and, and God's put them in my life. Um, and we have two children of our own. I got a three-year-old and a two-year-old, you know, wow. so I always like to start with that's where I am today. And then I, I go to Joseph was never that way, man. Yeah. I, I, my life today is what can I do for other people? Like, of course, some, some days I'm still thinking about myself, but like, I really just, it's almost like a dopamine hit when I'm able to help somebody else yeah. before I never loved myself, man. I was, I was very depressed. Um, I started using drugs at the age of 14. Um, and, and I used them actively every single day, waking up, just chasing drugs, chasing money. How do I get that dopamine hit? How do I run? I was running from me. That, that was the truth. Yeah. I was running from myself. Anytime I was afraid, I got high. Anytime I was happy, I got high, you know, that's what I did. I handled my problems with drugs and alcohol. And I say this all the time. Drugs and alcohol were never Joseph's problems. It was Joseph's solution to his problems. Yeah. So when I turned 14 years old, um, one big event that happened, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Currently, I live right now in Jacksonville, Florida. So I lived in the north, moved to the south at the age of 14. Well, I was an athlete at a young age. And, and so growing up in Michigan, I was around a lot of people. 
you know, I grew up around a good home, no addicts in the family, middle class, dad owned a business, mom was there, no chaos really in my life there. Um, but when I moved to Florida, my dad wanted to make a change. And that was something that happened to me where before that I was kind of drinking on the weekends. And even when I look back at my life, like, yes, I drank to, 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 to run from me still, you know, when I was stressed out about sports, something, I was like, let's go get drunk. So I realized that's where that habit kind of started. But when I moved here, I was angry, man. It was the first time I, I was angry with my life. You know, I was a victim at the time. I was like, I can't believe my dad moved me here. I can't get along with any of these people in school. You know, sports are so different down here. Um, and and what I started to do was really isolate, man. I, I started to stay to myself. But then I got depressed. You know, I was like, I, I started to have suicidal thoughts. Like, you know what? I shouldn't even live. Because I thought life was about what I wanted it to be at that, such a young age. I mean, think about 14-year-old kids. You know, we, we think we know everything at that age. <laughs> And the first group of people that I found that were like, they were smoking weed and, and not cause I, I never really, for me, when I would drink, I was like, okay, like this is fine. But it, I felt like it took a lot of work at a young age. Cause like I had to find the liquor, I had to find the beer and it's crazy. It sounds drugs seemed easier to find right? because I could get them illegally and I had to find somebody to buy alcohol. So when I first started smoking weed, I'd started doing it every day because it numbed my feelings. And then I got introduced to opiates right around the age of 15. And as soon as I took my first opiate, man, I said, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. This pills. is the feeling pills. Yeah, it was it was opiates. There was a, a pain epidemic, a pill epidemic here in Florida. It was so easy to get. Yeah. So everybody had it. So as soon as I took the first one, I said, this is the feeling that I want to chase. So, you know, for 12 years, what I started to do is I started to use, spend all my money on drugs. At 14, you don't need money. So I, I spent all my money on drugs. Well, apparently it was never enough. You know, I needed more. And the first thought that would come to my head is how do I get money now? You know, so I would try to make more money, but then it was never enough. So then I had to steal, you know, I would start I, my dad. I'd see it have, Oh, he's got a hundred bucks in his pocket. If I could take 60 of it, that'll get me through the day. And, and without even consciously thinking that's the wrong thing. All I cared about was I got to get the money so I can go chase that feeling again. So I was constantly stealing from family. I ended up stealing from workplaces, getting fired there, going to another workplace to steal from there you know, I was very manipulative in everything I did. It was all about just chasing that drug, chasing that money. And, and it was, you know, the one thing is you can't avoid the thoughts when you go to bed at night. You know, when I would lay my head at night, I was always, I would think, man, I'm, I'm a terrible human being what I'm doing. But I would ignore that feeling. I would just shove it down, shove it down and just take another drug. And eventually what happened when I turned 18 years old is I got arrested for one of my first crimes that I got caught for. And I ended up serving two years in a Florida state prison at that time. Now, being so young, you know, people say, oh, how was that like? As crazy as it sounds when I reflect back on it, it, it did nothing to me. Like, I was just like, okay, two years in prison. Let me just come home. The worst part about it was the fact that I wasn't free and I couldn't eat what I wanted. But I still didn't think like I had an, it was because of drugs. I just thought I was doing them too much. I'm going to slow down when I come home. I didn't know about recovery. Right. I didn't know about any of that stuff. Yeah. So I tried to be like a normal drinker. You know, they talk about that. I wanted to be the normal guy. You know, right. I knew people were drinking a little bit. And so I tried that when I came home, I enrolled in college and I started to just try to do the right things and drink occasionally, but eventually it would happen again. You know, I remember the first time I got drunk and I was, and I had that feeling again, you know, that's why I drank. Cause I, I love the effects produced by the alcohol and drugs. Then I chased it again without any, fear of the consequences, what's going to happen again. I just believed I just won't go back down that road. Like I'll just do things differently this time. 
Yeah. But nothing was different. Under control kind of stuff. That's right. That's exactly right. I thought I could control it. And it's crazy when you talk about the control. I I tried every way to control it, man. I really did. That led me to committing another crime. I got lucky just to be put on probation for the crime of stealing. Um, And I remember when I got put on probation, my lawyer said, Joseph, if you commit another crime, they're not going to be easy on you again. You know, you need to to relax. So I checked myself into a rehab at the time because I thought the lawyer told me during that case, if you check yourself into a rehab, it'll just look better that you're trying to do something for your recovery. So it was the only reason why I went there. Yeah. But when I went there, so I was only there for 30 days. And what's crazy is I wasn't on it. I wasn't like, I almost like ignored everything these people talked about. I, I even looked down on them. I was like, you guys are so weak, man. Like, you guys don't know how to stop drinking. I'm going to stop. I just came here for 30 days. I had this pride and ego that thought I could handle. I'm different than you guys. But one thing that was important in that rehab that I found a week before I came home, I noticed there were some guys in there that really wanted to stay sober. And I, I was, I was honestly kind of starting to get envious of them because I was like, man, these dudes actually seem genuinely happy. Like I thought everything was fake, but slowly as you get to know more people, you're living with them. And these guys were really like open with each other. The guys would talk in groups and start crying and they'd be like, Hey, it's okay. And they would just get through life. And I, that was one thing I I thought that was pretty cool, but it wasn't enough for for me to say, Hey, I want to be part of it because I wanted to be, I was different than everybody. I don't want to be that guy who was an addict. I always looked at it as like a negative thing. You know, I'll control it. I'll figure this out. So when I got out of that treatment center, I just went right back to, to going back and using, it was the same thing when I got out of prison, I'll try to control it this time, but I didn't. And I committed another crime and I got three years in the Florida state prison. So when I got three years in prison, there's drugs too. So long story short, I didn't stay sober because now I had the excuse of I'll get sober when I get home. You know, I got nothing but time here. So they sent me to, you know, after two years of just using in prison, they send you to what they call a work release program Mm -hmm. where they put an ankle monitor on you. You can go get a job and I'm still using at the time. And this is the first time where I'm kind of like a little bit afraid now because I'm realizing like, okay, if I come home and I don't control it this time, like what's life going to be like? Am I going to come back to prison? But again, it wasn't enough. My turning point happened when they, so if you violate anything at a work release program, they send you back to prison to complete your sentence. So on January 20, 23rd, I'm sorry, I, I got sent back. And what happened when I got sent back is I got put in a 10 by 10 cell at this time. And there's this guy in front of me. He's about 60, 65 years old who's been in and out of prison his whole entire life. And I'll never forget. He just looked at me. He said, oh, you're just like me. You're going to you're going to this is the life you're going to live. And for the first time in my life, I thought, oh, snap. Like it, it was almost like I never reflected that if I don't stop what I'm doing, This is how my life is going to be being so lost in my addiction. I never really reflected. And I, and that was the first time I was actually scared. You know, I was really, I was afraid of, of using again, you know? So the first thing I did, honestly, man, I got on my knees and I just prayed and I don't know. That's a prayer that I'll never forget because I was emotional. It was the first time being honest with me and my higher power. And, and what I was afraid of was knowing that I don't want to use But I knew that wasn't enough because there were so many times in my life I didn't want to get high either, but I still did. And I never understood it. So what I did was at the time just praying. I had four months left of my sentence. And all I remembered was those guys in that in that rehab. I kept thinking about those guys. And I'm just like, man, those guys, I wonder if they stayed sober. Like, I wonder if that stuff really works. But I had no other option at the time. Like, I knew like when I came home, I'll never forget. I was like the day I come home, I'm reaching out to some buddy in that program 
to see if this will work for me. I didn't even know if it would. I was like, maybe it will. So I spent the next three months just kind of staying to myself. I was reading books, you know, and this is the first time I started to gain a little bit of confidence in myself to believe that I'm worth it. Like maybe I'm worth it. Maybe I can live a life without drugs and alcohol. And the first thing I did when I came home is I called one of those guys. He lived near me and I was telling him, hey, man, I want to stay sober. I'm scared. I was I remember being so scared because I knew at this moment that I was talking to him, I didn't want to get high, but I was afraid of like hanging up the phone. I was afraid that I was going to go back to what I did. And he just brought me to a meeting in recovery. And that's a meeting that I'll never forget because it was a men's group. There was about 70 men in this group. And I was wow, so that's scared. that's a big group. Holy it's cow. A big, yeah, it's still it's still going on today. I go there every Sunday morning. It's the most powerful meeting in the whole city of Jack. The one I, most powerful meeting I've been to. But the one thing for me that I, I saw in that meeting, I remember going there and I was like, okay, I don't want to open up to men because I struggled with opening up to other people. I thought it made me soft. So I just watched what they were doing. And man, these guys, there's 350 pound guys, there's businessmen, there's all kinds of different people in this group. And they're just all honest and open. And it was like weird for me to watch them do that. But I remember one guy said, he said, man, you know, if I'm not honest with other people, I will end up going back and getting high. And I remember hearing that. And at the end of the meeting, you know, they had asked, is there anybody here who doesn't have a sponsor who needs some help? And I don't even know why. Like, I remember thinking about it. It was like a power just like was like this. You know, I just raised my hand. (laughs) And, and, and the love that I got from people that came to me were like, Hey man, tell me about you. Like, here's my phone number and all this stuff was happening. It was almost like a shock, but there was one guy that came to me and said, Hey man, who's taking you through these steps? I was like, nobody. He said, well, do you really want to stay sober? I was like, and I started crying. I was like, bro, more than I ever wanted. Yeah. He's like, what's going to happen if you don't? I said, I'm going to die or end up in jail, man. I, I just don't know how to do it. He said, well, I'm going to walk with you in this life. And that's when I started my journey. I started calling him. I started working with him like at, like I chased recovery like I chased drugs. And what's crazy is people say, did you really believe it would work? I didn't really know in the beginning, man. I, like I just had a small bit of faith that maybe this is going to work. And I was going to give everything I had to it because I had no alternative. So in those five, it's been now five and a half years where I was afraid to look at my past. That was the one big thing I never wanted to talk about. You know, I was molested when I was six years old. I never shared that with somebody else. You know, because I thought that made me less than. And when I did my work, I remember he, I didn't even put it down, but he asked me, is there anything you don't want to be honest with? Because if you're not going to be honest with me, then it's going to eat you up and you're going to end up drinking again. Yeah. And and I, I told him, I opened up and told him. And what's amazing is as crazy sounds, it happened to him and he shared me his experience. And we just started to uncover, you know, I was just working with a guy right before I came here. We were talking about our past. Man, I, I, every time I talked about my past, I hated talking about it because it's who I thought I was. Yeah. You know, when you look at all the things that I did, stealing from my parents and, and stealing from everybody and anybody that I hurt, I hurt so many people that I thought that's who I was. But the reality is it's not who I was. It's just what I did. And the only reason I, we look at our past is so we can change our future, you know, and, and, that, and once I started to understand that, that slowly but surely doing the work and getting around those guys – I started to feel what I saw in those guys in the treatment center, man, the fellowship of the guys that I'm around that we're doing life together and we're honest, we're open with each other that even now, <clears throat> excuse me, even now after five years sober, when I struggle with something, I'm still going through stuff, yeah. but now I, I can call somebody and say, Hey bro, this is what I'm struggling with in my marriage. You know, Hey man, this is what I'm struggling with today. I'm just feeling like I'm, I'm not good enough. And, and it taught me to be open and honest. And that's why my podcast person is called let's get real because until Joseph got real, my life didn't change. 
You know, I had to get real with myself, real with my problems. And today that's my mission now is, is to get people just opening up, talking about number one, hundred percent in recovery. Cause I believe the best way I can help people is with what I overcome, which was drug addiction. I overcome, you know, being a convicted felon. So that's where I pour out. I go into prisons now and I share my testimony. I work with guys in prisons, you know, and I, I'm going to treatment centers doing the same thing, but all that to say that it all started with me just getting open and honest with myself. It, it brought me to a place where I was like, look, if I, I don't know how to do this, I don't know how to stay sober and having the willingness to, to put my pride aside and say, Hey man, I need help. You know, my pride was so big. I never wanted to ask for it, but the minute I put that down and even today that I put it down, man, to think about the life that I have today, it almost like blows my mind still. Like there's times where I just look at it and I'm like, I can't believe that this is what God given me. You know, and, and not even just the stuff that I have, but being able to just wake up in the morning with this peace in my heart, you know, and the, and this knowing that I'm not chasing drugs and alcohol today is by far a miracle, man. So there's a lot of stuff in there. You know, I, I don't like to talk. Obviously, I can go into hours of all the crazy stuff that I right. did. But the end of the story was just I was lost. I was hopeless. I hadn't I didn't even believe I, I would look at people in the rooms and like, OK, this works for you. But you don't understand me, man. You don't understand the things I've done. It's not going to work for me. But until I realized that this is the only option that I had, I had no other. I've tried every other way. I tried just going to church. I tried just using on the weekends. It all landed me back in prison. Thank God I didn't die. But I knew if I use again, I'm not, I even say this today, I don't have a relapse prevention program. If Joseph goes back out, he's gone. Yeah. You know, I'm not coming back. I know there's guys that go out, they come back. That's not me. If I relapse, I go back to drugs or alcohol. Dead. I will be back in prison or die. Yeah. And today yeah. I'm just living a life to get away from me. I well, God, so much of what you said hits so many amazing, powerful points. I, and I don't want to summarize it because I wouldn't do the injustice, but I think that what I would hit me really hard is not knowing what the hell to do and being scared, checking your ego, coming to terms with the reality of not only where you are, but that you have no idea what the hell your next step is, even though you're trying to piece together like a new playbook. My favorite part of the recovery process is the process. And people that aren't in recovery have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is part of the process is figuring out the process in, in, in believing and in having blind faith that if I don't, I'm not only going to die, I'll end up in jail, like you said, but no one knows what the hell to do at the beginning. Everyone is afraid. Everyone has to come to terms with their dirty, dark secrets have jagged, bloody edges. And you have to un you have to uncover that. And then what what is what I think my favorite part of your story is that you worked hard to build a life that you didn't have to run from uh, anymore. And that that is what recovery is about. And now, like for me, I'm I'm five years sober. Uh, Congratulations! Thank you. And what I love now is I still do the work. I don't ever take it for granted. I don't get cocky about it. I, I have to do the work. I have built routines. Uh, every day I go work out in the morning and I have, you know, just things that I do during the day and my life because of my wife and my kids and all the great things like you, my, I don't run from my life. I participate actively in my life and I have a playbook that I've rebuilt. And my favorite thing is the process of that rebuilding. And, and that's what I love the most. And, and that's where you start to live in your recovery where you kind of, you don't forget, but that nasty stuff from the past just stays there. You learn from it, you build on it, you clean it up and you do the best you can to help others in service. And it's wonderful to hear. Uh, I, 
your story is powerful because you, I could tell like you cut, you're like me, you cut right to the chase in a very powerful way and you got to do the work. And, and I, I kind of had that same feeling like nobody's going to get me. Nobody understands what the hell I'm talking about, what I've been through. But then when you realize that, no, no, it's, they do. You just have to get your ego out of the way so that you can accept that, you know, what you did isn't you, like you said, it's what you did to get your drugs and your alcohol and money, the cheating and the stealing and stuff. And it's scary. And that moment, that, that's a tough moment. You know, mine, I, I distinctly remember I came out of the hospital after 12 days. Uh, the doctor said, you know, you're not going to make it. Um, it's unlikely that you're going to make it essentially. And I, here I am, thank God. And I was walking around and it was, you know, a little bit drizzly and I didn't know what to do. I kind of broke down crying on a walk that I had taken because all I could do, I didn't know what to do. So I just started like taking walks in the morning and multiple times a day to try to, because I was overweight. I, I never really exercised at all. I was in terrible condition, mentally, physically, spiritually, all of it. And I started walking. And then one day I did, I literally on the walk after my, a couple of days out of the hospital, I had no idea what to do, how to start. And a little beam of sunlight broke through the clouds. And I swear it's, it was all of my, my loved ones in heaven and God hit me with a little beam of sunlight saying, you're going to make it. You just have to do the work. And that, those kind of moments are absolutely everything. And it sounds like when you put your hand up, that was that moment for you in the meeting yeah. when you, you opened yourself up to a new life. And, and those are the things I think that people need to understand that are, they don't know what the first step is. They will come to you when you're ready, but you have to, you, you have to break things down in your head and allow yourself to receive the power of recovery. And, and it, it's, it sounds, it's, I don't know how else to describe that. Maybe you can yeah. help me, but that's the thing. Like you no, got to open yourself up to the raw power of being vulnerable and accepting that you don't have it figured out, that you do need help, that you're not the only one, that it can get better. And you've got to do the work. And it fucking sucks sometimes, man. Like white knuckling a morning when you when you wanted, when, for me, when I wanted to rip lines and, and rampage drink because it was easy, but fighting through that, like gritting through that is really fucking hard. Oh, really yeah. fucking hard. There are days where, you know, they're not as pointed and they're not as often, but some days, you know, something will trigger me and I'll have those moments where I have to kind of gut through a moment or half a day. And that's the part that that's where the playbook comes in. Like you were describing that you, it's important to have in your mind, in your community, in your circle, uh, release valves, like, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, where you have people you can call things that you can do, you could say to your wife, look, I'm having a moment. I need to just go in the room and decompress for a second. Mm -hmm. So I still do all that stuff. And of course, I, I love hearing it. Man. And I, I'd like to talk now if it's okay. Like what's going on now with your life? It sounds like you've got so many great things going on with your business and helping others. I'd love to hear about that and, and what course. recovery has given you. Because that is yeah. where the magic is, really. Yeah. And I want to add also, like, and I'll get into that too. I want to add what you were talking about when you come into the rooms or you come and looking for help. You know, I, I used to come in looking for help and I would find all the reasons why it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, all the reasons why it's not going to work. But if you can just come in and say, how can this work instead of, cause like, you know, you come in, this is not going to work. Oh, this person did this, or this person told me to call them and they didn't answer. So it's not going to work what you look for. You'll find. So the first time when <clears> I came in and I looked for a reason why it was going to work, cause I felt like I had no other choice. Now, not everybody has to get to that place. Maybe you do where you, it's, I have no other choice, 
but you can come in with, hey, maybe this will work. If it worked for them, how can this work for me instead of it's not going to work? So it's all about just perspective of yeah. coming in and Good using point. the tools that you can say, how is this going to work for me? You know, so now, you know, in, in, in my life, what's crazy is, man, like when I first came home and, and I was in recovery, it's not like life was perfect. I still wanted life to be the way I want it to be. I got a little bit of time under my belt. I started getting a job. I started to feel good about myself. And I started to wonder like, okay, when is life going to happen? Like I want it to happen, you know, cause I had all these predispositions of what my life was going to be. And, and sometimes I, what I learned early on was I'm just going to live a new way of life. Like recovery wasn't a place where I'm going to come in, get sober and get out because they're going to help me get sober, give me tools and bye-bye. Like it was a new way of life. Yeah. This was a place that I was now going to, it's going to be like a therapy group, however you want to call it. It became the place that my life was going to be centered around because it teaches me how to be a better person. It teaches me, you know, I, it's crazy. I think about the, the steps. We were talking about this with my sponsee earlier. Everybody should be doing the steps. If you're alcoholic, it's a way to live. I mean, when you think about living a life where every time you have a problem, you're looking at yourself and not blaming other people. Every time you you hurt somebody or you need to make an amends, you go and you clean up your side of the street. Like if you think about all this stuff that we're talking about, it's just to relieve the bondage of us. And once I can remove the bondage of me and understand my character defects and all this stuff, I can now give back to other people. And, and that's why we chase drugs. We like the effects that drugs and alcohol did to our life. Today, we just use tools. Today, we just help people. You know, and that's what the program recovery has taught me. It's, 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 it's crazy how much I chase helping people. Yeah. Like it, it's, it, I, even my wife said it. she's like, man, when you go like today, it was working with a sponsee coming on here, doing a podcast. I'm going to leave here and work with another one. My wife says, when I wake up in the morning that day, I seem different that's because awesome. I'm fired up about what's about to happen. And, and the reason is, is because it gives my past a purpose. You know, everything that happened in my past, I'm using it now to, to help other people. You know, everything that happened in my past now, I don't have to look at it and say, wow, that was so bad. No, I'm using it now. I'm using it now to give value to somebody else. Dude, that's and awesome. Helping yeah, people gives my past a purpose. That's that's solid. Yeah. Helping people is the new dope, man. That's what I say. That, yeah. That's my dope now. <laughs> my dope is like even coming on here, uh, my, my prayer before I came on here and I walked in this room. God, let somebody hear this that I can help. Like, you know, that because that's the mission is is just using my story to give to other people to help them. You know, because I'm selfish and self-centered. And that's the root of all my problems. It's, it's not like because I'm sober today, every day I wake up thinking about that. But I promise you, if I set up my days to where I'm working with other people or I'm just helping somebody else, when I go home today, I'm, I have problems that are happening in my life. I had an assistant that I had to fire because she was in recovery. She relapsed. She started to steal from me. You know, I got two, we got, we got four kids living in a house right now. A lot of chaos going on in the house. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things going on in my life, but when I go home today, those things are so small. They're so small. They're, they're not an issue anymore. I know God's going to take care of them. I didn't even waste any time thinking about it, Yeah. you know, and it's not like I'm not doing anything about it, but it's not controlling my mind. I'm not, I'm not controlled by all these fears because the reality is I still know that I want, there's times I, I still want to run the show. I still want my life to turn out the way I want it to turn out. But one thing the program's taught me is that I only focus on me, yeah. not what other people can do, not what other people, like if my wife reacts a certain way today, sometimes like even it's as funny as it sounds, a real life situation. 
This morning, I was supposed to meet my sponsee at 8.30. I had to leave the house at 8.10. Well, 8.05, my wife's in the shower. So my first thought was, what the heck are you doing in the shower at 8.05? You know I have to leave at 8.10. That's the first thought that came to my mind. Mm -hmm. So I don't say anything to her. I start to get frustrated. I start to realize, man, this is, I'm, the girls are going crazy. I'm looking at the clock. It's 820. I'm texting my sponsee. Hey, man, I got to meet you at nine. And I'm starting to, I feel it. I start to get frustrated again. Yeah. But the program recovery has almost put something in my heart that like, it's like reps. I'm like, okay. It's like when you're thirsty, I'm like, I'm thirsty. I pick up water. I, I'm used to picking it up. And that's what these tools of habits have done. So right away I stopped and I said, okay, why am I mad? Like, what's my part in this? And it's what's crazy. I didn't see it. But when I tell you, you're like, how did you not see it? I woke up at eight o'clock in the morning. I usually wake up at seven. So my wife told me yesterday, I need to take a shower before you leave. What am I doing waking up at eight o'clock in the morning when, when I got to meet somebody and, and giving myself 10 minutes of time? That's not sufficient for me. Right. And that's my part. So that's what the program recovery has allowed me to see is my part. So today, example. man. Yeah. Which I'm grateful for. Like, that's why I always say, man, my past, I'm so grateful for that. I had to go through all that stuff because it gives me that perspective today. You know, it helps me to not just where normally I would have reacted. I would have walked into the bathroom and be like, what the heck are you doing in the shower? This is ridiculous. I'm leaving. Let the girls, I'm putting the girls, I'm out of here. Yeah. And that, that's just going to create problems in my life that I can't control. You know, that's the chaos I used to do. Absolutely. I, I, that's a good point. I mean, you have to reflect on what's my part in this. And I love that. I, I have some kind of moving parts like that myself where I like to take uh, extreme ownership. Uh, like you said, everything going on, what's my part of this? How did I impact this? What's, how did I cause this? What do I, what can I do to fix it? More importantly now is I kind of flip the script, same concept, extreme ownership. But the other piece, like I have to learn to not be so tied to my playbook that it gets in my head in a negative way. And I'll give you an example. So uh, my wife and kids were sick last week. So I, uh, my wife, I, you know, I took care of both of the kids and my wife, they were like sick down and out. So I had to do all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the day-to-day stuff. And I was happy to do it. Plus my job. And I had to go to my workouts at 5 a.m. And normally go at 6 a.m. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but that hour difference, it makes, it makes a difference, right? Sure. It throws off the little bit of routine. And then, uh, and it, the thing is, I was so happy to be able to help and, and be that person. I loved it. And it was yeah. hard. It was hard, but I loved it. And then Sunday, the bug caught me and everyone else was getting better. And then I got sick. And, and this is this week here. So I have not been able to go to my CrossFit workouts at all because I, I had the flu and congested and I just wasn't feeling good. And because I was laying down for two days, which I don't do, my back stiffened up and yada, yada. So I've had to really not let myself get in my own head in a negative way about falling to pieces because I didn't go to my workouts. And I know that sounds crazy, but Mm -hmm. if I don't, I mean, I was physically incapable of going to the workouts. There's like a physical and health limitation there. Yeah. But in my head, I think weak, I'm falling, I'm sliding, I'm breaking, I'm going back to old bad habits. I'm going to suck. I'm going to relapse. That's what's going on in my head. And then I, I have to like take deep breaths and go on like little micro walks to just kind of blow out some steam because a walk is easy. I can do it. It doesn't like physically tax me to the point, like, like not like a CrossFit right. workout. And, and I say that to people and they look at me like, it's just a workout. I'm like, it's just a workout to you. But to right. me, it's the foundation of the new me. 
Uh, mm -hmm. And then I do some other things. I have to make the bed in the morning. If I don't, I get like twitchy. It's weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it's, I love that, you know, the introspection, the ownership, the accountability, the dismissal of ego to the best of our ability, all those things matter. And then I've now become, like you said, helping people is the new drug. And, and for me, my new routine, the new me is my new drug. And I'm so protective of it that it kind of, I get obsessive sometimes and I've got to be careful. Yeah. My sponsor always says, look, you're doing all the right things. You're doing the work, but don't let the work eat you alive. That's right. Which is what I'm going through today, as a matter of fact. Like I really, I got up with every intention to go to my workout, still couldn't breathe. I had my energy was sapped and I just, so I had to give it up to God and say, all right, I can't go. I want to go. And my first impulse was to text my coach and tell him this huge list of why I couldn't make it and explain myself. And the fact that I didn't, I started typing. I legitimately started typing the <laughs> message and I stopped and I said, no, I'm sick. I'm not feeling up to it. And I, I have to listen to my body. And if I don't, I'm going to break and be hurt longer. And yeah. I didn't send the message. And to be able to do that mm -hmm. after all these years is quite an accomplishment. And, and people that haven't begun the journey yet will understand when they get there. And people that are on the yeah. journey like you, like that's, those are big moments. Like what you said, like, what's my part in this? I got up a little late and, uh, and it's not exactly a parallel, but the point is I love the fact that we have those strategies or there's new habits to use to get through those moments that are tough because they come up a lot. And that's the thing. Life doesn't stop because we're in recovery and because right. we're in a recovery, nobody else. And I say this in a, in a positive way, nobody else gives a shit or should give a shit per se. I'm not that's saying right. they have to be handing us drugs. What I'm saying is they have their life to live. You know, mm -hmm. they're not responsible to make sure that, every moment in every situation is pristine because I'm in recovery. It's not, that's not how things work. And that's yeah. the part that once you get to the point um, when you're going through this, that you just have to learn to deal with it. And like, I start going back to social events where there's drinking, if there's drugs, I, I have to leave immediately. I cannot be around it because I, I don't think I'm strong enough to say no, as scary as that's not five years in. And I don't want to put myself in a position to fail. So, yeah. but the drinking, cause it's such a thing. Like we go to family events and not even family events, but like, you know, social events and people have beers and things I go. And if I start getting a little itchy, I just give my wife a look and I'm like, you can stay, I gotta go. And she's cool. Um, mostly comes with, but sometimes she'll hang back. She doesn't drink either. But so those are the things, man, that I love when we're living this and going through this, that there's a certain pride of ownership in the process that takes over in a wonderful way. And the joy comes from when you put your head down on the pillow at night, you go, I had a great fucking day today because I earned it. I didn't yeah. take a shortcut. I didn't cheat. I didn't lie. I didn't hustle to get my drugs and my alcohol in. I didn't do any stupid shit. I lived up to my expectation. I did things I didn't want to do, but I did it anyway because I needed to do it. That yeah. I think there's so much joy and power in that is little, doesn't matter what it is. It could be washing the last dish in the sink before mm -hmm. you go to bed. Little things like that matter. And I take a lot of pride in those things now. Yeah. And love. you said like w w one thing I recognize that we're, what we're talking about here is we're just self-aware, like even something as small as like the workout, like I can relate to that because there's two things for me when I'm not doing, when I'm not working out and I play basketball, usually on Wednesday nights, I go play basketball. Yeah. And, and there was a time where I, I had hurt my wrist and I couldn't work out. And it was like, I realized how much what's crazy is I realized how much like working out became an idol. Like it's, it's almost a good addiction, you yeah, know? Yeah. 
but I'm not in control of my life. And my wife is in recovery too. So thank God that she she'll point things out. And I'm starting to get like, man, I'm, I went to the gym and I picked up the bench press and I, I was like hurting my wrist. I was like, all right, let me hold it differently. Right. Maybe, you know? And my wife is like, babe, are you in control of your life or is God like maybe God's telling you to rest? Like, like this is not, you're trying to hear you go trying to take control of your life. Like you're hurt, relax. Like I, you can't like, this is what I always say when we're dealing with something, we can't change it. Right. Like, with your sickness, with my wrist, whether it's a situation in your life, we can't change it now. But how do we look at it? Like, okay, I'm here, you know, like my wrist is hurt. I can't work out, but I can go for a run, you know? And, but instead of like, when we focus on the problem, we're not focusing on the solution to the problem. And like you just said, like, I couldn't work out, but I can go out for a walk. You know, I could do something differently. You know, we used to look at our problems and just like sulk over them and get high over them. And even now, sometimes in life, you know, people who are not addicts, they, how do they deal with their problems? They're talking about the problem or, oh, this sucks. I'm the victim, you know, instead of, okay, this is, this is what I'm always telling people. So it is what it is. You can't change it. What do we do now? Like what's, what is the solution to that? And I give this analogy about like the trash, like before when I was an addict, like, I don't know about you, but like sometimes the trash is full and instead of taking it out, what I do is I just push the trash down. I'm yep. constantly, let me see if I can get more in here so I don't have to lift <laughs> up the weight because it's a lot of work to take the trash out and put a new trash bag and walk the trash. So instead of doing the work, I just push it down. Yeah. So that's what I did in my addiction. I just pushed all the stuff down and then eventually the trash fills up. Now, what happens when more trash comes in, it just starts to overflow. And what it did is it overflowed into my life and I couldn't control it. So I used drugs and alcohol and now I just got trash everywhere. But even in my life today, so what I did was I took out the trash and I put a new trash bag. Well, things start to happen. Little stuff in our life happens. You know, maybe somebody like even in recovery, I had somebody steal from me like after being three months sober. And that's like something that somebody throws in my trash. Now I can either sit there, look at the trash, this stinks, or say, okay, what's my part? And when I'm doing that, I'm just like taking that trash out. I never have to remove the trash bag. I can just keep removing trash so trash doesn't fill up in my life. And that just makes us self-aware. We're we're looking at these areas. Like as funny as you said, like people will hear me say that about working out or or say something simple as like, I haven't been able to play basketball in two weeks, man. It's been tough. And they're like, what? And and the reality is, is like, we all have stuff in our life that when it's not going the way we want to, like we're struggling with it. We're just talking about it and like, okay, it, it's tough. But instead of just crying about it for so long, we might sulk in it for a little bit, right? We're like, okay, what can I do now though? Like yeah. it is what it is. And sometimes people, you know, we have to take our glasses off and call somebody so we can get their perspective where they're like, Hey bro, where's your gratitude today? You know, like, Maybe, maybe God allowed you to not go work out and and can you do something for more for other people? Like, like maybe now you're home on Wednesday night. What can you do for your wife to show her how appreciative you are that, that she lets you go on Wednesday night and she takes care of the kids for you to go do that. And I'm like, Oh man, that's such a better answer than my answer, man. Thank you. know, we're just living a different life now, you know, and, and even man, as we're talking about this, if we reflect on how we used to think, what a miracle that is, isn't it? Like, it's amazing. What a miracle is is it that like this morning I didn't have to yell at my wife and scream at her, you know, like that's what I used to do, you know, but without the the crazy dismantled life that we used to live, we wouldn't have that perspective today. That's why I always say, man, I'm so grateful for, for that, like that, like just to be aware, you know, and I wish I can catch it sometimes sooner. But the fact, like, even when you talked about laying your head at night, like sometimes I lay my head at night and I'm thinking about, I'm like, oh man, I, I did kind of like yell at that guy at the shop and I, I really didn't have patience with him today. And I don't think I, I really said the things I should have said and I was bothered by it. But what's great is I'm not like, whatever, that's his fault. I'm like, you know what? 
tomorrow when I go back into the office, I'm going to talk to them and let them know like, hey, man, I shouldn't have spoke to you that way. I was frustrated. I had a lot going on. And I apologize. Now that I cleaned that up. Yeah. Now when I lay my head that night, I'm not laying my head consecutive nights in a row. You know, every day I wake up with untreated alcoholism. And and where that comes in is my selfish and self-centeredness. You know, I'm so selfish and self-centered. I have to be thinking about where today was I selfish and self-centered. I'm so aware of it as much as like when you're eating healthy or something, you're aware of what you're putting in your body. Yeah. You know, or like when you're thirsty, you're aware of like, am I drinking the right things? Am I doing the right things? We're just aware of those things because, you know, I always, people ask me, I was interviewed the other day um, at a church of, of parents who are worried about their kids and worried about alcoholism. They don't know, you know, some of them are dealing with the child. So they wanted to hear from my perspective. And I was telling them, I said, you know, they asked me, you know, do you think you'll ever go back to drinking and using? I said, I'd love to sit here and tell you 100% no, you know, I won't. But I can tell you if I do the right things today, I, I won't have to worry about it. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and just think I'm going to go get high today. But I will slowly, if I slowly stop doing the thing, it's just like, you know, let's talk about health. Am I going to get fat? I'm not going to get fat tomorrow. But if I wake up one day and skip the gym and I wake up one day and say, I'm going to go eat, a, you know, a Chick-fil-A burger, a Burger King burger. And I slowly stop doing the things that help me get the body that I want today. I'll eventually become overweight. And it's the same thing in recovery. If I stop doing the things that I do, and it's crazy, man, it'll happen like two days. I haven't done anything for my recovery. And I, I see it. It pops up in my oh, life. Right away. Yeah. Right away. It pops up in my life immediately. Just two days. Like, no doubt. Literally, I skipped this, my Sunday men's group in the morning because I used the excuse of we had a party at our house on Saturday for our kids and I was too tired. And all of a sudden that turned into Monday. I was like, you know what? Now that overflowed into Monday, I didn't do anything for my recovery in two days. And on Monday night, I'm like, I'm feeling this like irritability and I'm starting to get frustrated and I'm mad at the world. And, and the first thing my sponsor says is, what have you done for your recovery today? I yeah. said, nothing. I haven't done anything for two days. He said, well, do you want to make it three? You can't change the two, but do, <laughs> do you want to make it three, four, five? I mean, eventually... Yeah. So it's just, it's really just a self-reflection, man. We're, we're constantly looking at it, but man, I'm so grateful for that, that I actually can look at myself today and pay attention. Or I got people around me, you know, that I've created that will tell me the things that I need to hear. Dude, for sure. That those moments of realization, when you, like you said, I, it's been two days, I haven't done anything for my recovery or, but like, I can make it three or I, I can do something with intention, positive intention to correct that, to, to, to stop that to stop that trend. And, and those micro celebrations, those micro steps are so important where uh, I can't get a workout. I'm going to go for a, a quick one mile walk, or I'm going to just go stretch out. It could be anything. It doesn't matter what it is, but do active measure to correct things is, is, That's is right. absolutely everything. And so just in our, our last couple of minutes, um, how can people find you, listen to you, learn more about you? I love your story, Joseph, and I want to do my very best to help people uh, get and stay in touch with you because I think your message is so powerful and it's so relatable. So I, I really loved every minute of having you on the show, and I hope that we can have you back. Yeah, absolutely. I love to, man. I love this conversation. It was great. And um, everywhere you can find me. So my podcast is called, I have a podcast called Let's Get Real with Joseph KG. Um, in the, if you go like to the first, some episodes, it's really just, I created the podcast cause I wanted to share a message, but then I started to fall in love with what you're doing, the interviewing and sharing people's stories because every different perspective can help more people. I'm just one. If I bring people on, so 
recently I've been bringing people on to share their stories that they've overcome, you know, and they just get real with us. Very similar to what we do here. It's just different messages, but everywhere on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok are the main ones that I post. And if it's just, you type in my name, Joseph K-A-J-Y, it's where you can find me. And when I say that, it's like, when you find me, that's fine. Follow me, watch the stuff. I hope it helps you. But what I really, really want to do, and I mean this, and if you don't believe me, try it. I want to connect with you. I want to talk with you. I'm not I'm not selling anything. I just want to connect with people. It's my mission in life. I'm, I always tell people I laugh. I, you know, right now my business is operating itself. I have time and I'm giving my time right now to helping people. It's, it's what I love to do. So if you send me a message, I'm going to be fired up out of my mind to talk to you. So if you if you are looking for somebody to help or you need some help or just somebody to talk to, you know, hey, man, I love what you shared. I related to this. This is what I'm struggling with today. Let my let take advantage of my time. So find me on social media, not just to follow me and, and, and watch my stuff, but also connect with me. Send me a message and I promise you, man, I'll be able to connect. Every way to reach Joseph will be in the show notes for this episode. So you can click right to his podcast all his profiles and reach out to Joseph and uh, get not only get to know him, but get to him directly. So Joseph, it has been an absolute joy to have you on the show. I've learned a lot and thank you very much for being a part of my show. Of course. Thanks for giving me the platform, man. Thanks for letting me share.